Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again. And today we are going to be talking with Alexandra Hunt. And we're going to go over her path, her roads that led her to where she is and where she is wanting to go, which is uh, the house. So, Alexandra, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi there. Uh, my name is Alexandra Hunt. I am running for Congress in PA3. It is the most Democratic district in the nation. Uh, it's located in Philadelphia, and I'm running against an incumbent who does not support Medicare for All or the Green New Deal. I am challenging him from the left, and uh, we launched in February. Uh, essentially, I prior to that, I was working in cancer therapy doing research and uh, have a public health background and our government did not show up for us enough during this pandemic to see us through and to lead us into a viable future. So that was when I decided to run. Okay. All right. And so before you were in healthcare, what did you do? Uh, so before I was in healthcare, I, I've been on quite a journey as a student. Uh, I started in college at University of Richmond. And during that time, I was working two jobs. I, I worked as a stripper and I worked as a server to pay my bills. Then straight from there, I went to a, an, into a master's program located in Philly at Drexel. And I got my master's of science in interdisciplinary health sciences. I went into the workforce and just found that I wasn't quite getting the footing that I wanted, even having a master's degree. So I pursued a master's of public health while working full-time. And I just graduated with that in August, 2020 and, and am now working full-time and running a campaign. Congratulations. Sounds wonderful. So obviously somebody's going to say something about that because I mean, you, you were a server you you did something that wasn't illegal and you didn't hurt anybody. Oh, yeah. and you, and you did that other thing too that is also exactly the same. Okay, so I now that we've covered that, um, let's talk about your platform and what you want to do. Uh, I saw something in here about harm reduction. Yeah. Uh, so a big part of my platform is about criminal justice reform and ending the war of, on drugs is a major issue that we are so far behind. It's contributed to, to mass incarceration and just people living in cages because of the war on drugs and drug use. If you take a step back, it's really, it's really not a place for government and it's not criminal activity. It's not breaking the law or it shouldn't be. So harm reduction uh, is, 
decriminalizing drug use the same way that I have a platform to decriminalize sex work. They really go hand in hand and it's just a platform supporting and uplifting bodily autonomy. Uh, so harm reduction would, part of that platform is to push us towards a safer supply program, which is something that they're running in Canada. And it uses our pharmaceutical company, our pharmaceutical industry to create safe drugs so that people can use them safely and and not overdose so at the end of the day this part of your platform sounds a whole lot like no victim no crime kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. It, I, and I I have issues with the word crime and and criminal um, but so, sometimes things happen where there is harm done and that's exactly uh, where restorative justice needs to play a role. But outside of that, we really don't need policing. Okay, let's jump into restorative justice. This is a term that those outside of the left may not have heard. So give us a, a, a basic summary. I am a survivor of two sex, two different sexual assaults. And that was really how I first was introduced to restorative justice. It Justice to me is not putting someone away in prison. Justice to me and to restorative justice is a person understanding the harm that they have done, the harm that they have inflicted on a person or a community and taking accountability for that, taking responsibility for that and taking measures to ensure that that harm will never, never be inflicted again. And putting someone in prison, they don't learn any better, and their their quality of life drastically drops. And it's just a form of punishment, and it's not a form of justice. That's right. Um, your platform overall, that word justice appears like every other line. No, um, <laughs> it, it's... I believe it, yeah, it's a really common theme here. So we have, um, let's see, justice for tribal nations. What, um, with where you're heading, how are you going to be able to influence that? How are you going to be able to help engage in, you know, tribal empowerment? Well, I've done some work on uh, the Aglala Lakota Reservation out in South Dakota, and they are so deprived and neglected of resources. And there is a, a current relationship of tribes in the United States government that is paternalistic. And the United States government feels they need to come in and tell tribes how they should and shouldn't live. And it's really robbed them of their culture. And so in order to provide justice for them. They should have the means to live and the means to thrive and then empower them to, to restore their culture and uh, yeah, live, live, live life as, as best they can. Okay. Um, You also have a lot of stuff about housing and tenants rights um, and ending gentrification and segregation is on the platform, which I'd love to hear your take on that and have it explained is how 
you know, it, I mean, it's gone legally, but that doesn't really necessarily mean that it's gone. Right. And that really comes from how certain neighborhoods in, in Philadelphia, and this is true in, in many different cities, that you can walk through the city neighborhood by neighborhood, street by street, and see different different environments. And that comes from the investment into certain neighborhoods and the divestment from or just lack of investment completely uh, to other neighborhoods. And the the divide there is traditionally, historically along race lines. And so we need to address that and make sure that we are investing in all our neighborhoods and without pushing people out of them. Every every person should be housed and be able to to stay in their in their family home without threat of of violence or new construction and development raising taxes and pushing them out. So that's a big issue here in Philadelphia. Gentrification is huge, uh, and really nobody's talking about it. All right. So this is very much a housing for all platform. Um, one of the other things that I heard or I saw was uh, something about just cause for evictions, but it didn't say what those just causes would be. So I'm curious as to what they are. I haven't developed that as much. I was working with a rep from the national homes guarantee. Uh, I haven't developed that stance as much. Okay. And then under economic justice, um, so we've got the, the traditional left leaning, um, platform here. You've got strong union rights, wealth tax, pay equity. Um, so how is, how does the wealth tax function in, in your mind? Like when it, when it goes into effect, what's it going to do? It's going to tax the wealthy. It, it, the, the way that our taxes are, are set up, the more you make, the bigger a tax break you get. And so it, it's, it's pulling more money from people who need it more to, to survive and, and have a dignified everyday life. And it's pulling less money from people who have extra and surplus of wealth. Uh, and, and so that's, it's going to be targeting those people with that surplus because they really don't need to be hundred thousand billionaire. <laughs> right. Um, okay. In the environmental justice thing, obviously there there's support for the green new deal. Um, and then there's conserving our land, protecting endangered species. And then there's environmental justice for Philly and ending food insecurity. So what is that? One of one of the neglected issues is is that as we face our climate emergency and looming climate crisis, our our food supply is threatened. And of course, in in an unequal society, the people who get threatened first are the people who have the least access to food. And so we need to uh, end food deserts. We also need to address the climate crisis and and he, um, head towards uh, 
green infrastructure, green jobs, and starting to restore our environment, it, it might be too late at this point, but that doesn't mean that we should stop fighting for it and, and trying to slow it down. So there needs to be an acknowledgement that our food supply, our food chain is being threatened by the climate crisis and that in, in Philly, the people who are first to be without food, it's a big issue here in Philly. We have big food insecurity are the people who have the least access to it, whether it's by transportation or affordability. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So when, when you're in the house, you are representing your area. You are representing a, a, a I don't want to say a small district because it's not, but uh, geographically, it, it's a small area. Right. Um, how do you plan on actually representing the will of the people from Philly? How are you going to know what they want? How are you, how are you going to stay in contact? town halls where people get to speak instead of just being spoken to, uh, having easy uh, accessibility, calling hours uh, to to just hear from the district, uh, and providing that dialogue, going to events, being present, hearing what the struggles are. The same way that I am out and about in community today, and even before I was a candidate, I would continue to do that through... uh, representing and, and serving PA3, you, that, that's how you learn what the community needs are and, and the community solutions. Now, so when it comes to your background in healthcare, when you say that the pandemic kind of helped prompt this, prompt your run, is, is there anything specific that, that kind of pushed you out there? I I was so angry and frustrated with our government as just the whole way through the pandemic, the the fact that it failed to be mitigated and then the talk about saving our economy instead of saving lives and how if we had just put value and not treated people as disposable, we could have reduced our our deaths from COVID-19 by hundreds of thousands. And I was, I did as much as I could to, to help my community. I was uh, at, at testing sites and then later at vaccine distribution sites. Um, I was getting out menstrual items to school age children who uh, that was their only supply was going to school and getting those items. And I was at a food distribution site. And I, one of the times that I was at a food distribution site I just looked at how long the line was and it, it wrapped around the building and down the street. It was extraordinary. And it was just one food distribution site compared to, to the hundreds of pop-up ones that we had going during the pandemic. And that's how many people in Philly in, in the United States, in the, one of the wealthiest countries in the world were without food and our government was, wasn't doing anything about it. And, and so it, that that was what my tipping point was was i'm i'm going to run and i'm i'm going to try to get people the resources and the help that we need it almost sounds like you're running reluctantly like like this isn't something you actually wanted to do that you just like nobody else is going to do it um i 
don't think this was in my life plan. It was, it was never a goal of mine. Uh, I, I'm not running reluctantly. I, there, there's good and bad to, to running for office. And I definitely chose to do this. Uh, but I always thought of politics as a very dark, dark place. And yeah, politicians were just full of greed and selfishness and serving personal interests. And it, it really wasn't until Bernie Sanders that I had kind of an awakening, like, oh, American politics could actually be meant for somebody like me, not not thinking that I would ever run for office. And then the the squad, uh, you know, stepping up and standing for this progressive platform that I really believe in. And then with the pandemic and no one else is, is doing this, our representative certainly isn't fighting for us. I'm gonna put myself out there. I'm gonna throw my hat into the into the ring. So you're, you're, you're going to be facing a primary. How do you think it's going to go? I mean, obviously you, you, you know, it's going to be tough. You know, there's going to be stuff that's, that's slung out there and, and you're right. You know, you're saying I view politics as this dark space and having covered it for years, it, it totally is. They're going to drag out everything that has ever happened in your entire life because they can paint you that way that they can, they can do the whole, she's a bartender thing like they did with AOC. Um, and and you're not naive, you know, that's going to happen. So I've got, I'm, I'm curious what the, uh, how did you steal yourself for that? How did you ready yourself? Because you know, this is coming, you know, it's going to happen. It's just worth it. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it's absolutely worth it. Um, I, I mean, I, I had to sit down and go through my life and pick apart all the different pieces of me, things that I, you know, used to be ashamed of or things that I didn't necessarily want everyone to know and just outed myself. Just, I'm going to put this out in the open. I'm going to be completely vulnerable and people will either take it or leave it. And that, that is the most that I can do. Uh, and so I was, I've been hoping that I can kind of soften any, anything that they're going to use against me because it's already out there and people are like, Oh yeah, we heard that from her. Um, but that, that doesn't mean that, uh, the machine in Philly doesn't play dirty. And I know that they do. When I, when I first launched, I had a reporter approach me and say, you know, Dwight Evans knows where all the bodies are buried. How do you plan on navigating that? And it's like, yeah, I, I, I know I'm up against a deeply entrenched person in establishment politics, but we have to try because we're not, if, if we, if we don't try, if we don't speak up, if we don't do anything, we are also complacent with the status quo and nothing will change. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I like I'm picturing the, the, the campaign and, and I'm just, I know, I, I know it's coming and, and that's and the, the reality of it is from where I'm sitting, this is not something that matters. This is not something that matters. This isn't a scandal. This is, this is, 
this this is something that a whole lot of people do and and i don't see it as as a black mark against you but i also am am pretty familiar with the machines up in that area so i think you're right i think getting it out um early and and just owning it i think that's the right move i i found out about it on tiktok <laughs> that's that's how i found out yeah. <laughs> um I, I think that I think that's a smart move. Um, but back to your platform, you have a section on uh, women's rights, and it has reproductive rights in there, mm-hmm. and supports every person's religious freedom and right to choose, which is why she's a proponent of reproductive justice and advocates for inclusive reproductive legislation fight to repeal the Hyde Amendment, oppose efforts, expand WIC. This is, it's a solid platform. Um, is there anything in, the, like this section right here is is incredibly specific. Is there anything that you would want to add to this or? The, the same way that dismantling white supremacy is, interwoven throughout many different pieces of the platform women's rights and dismantling the the patriarchy is interwoven throughout the platform so in in criminal justice reform and economic justice uh those are big issues that also pertain to to women's rights uh and one of the one of the big pieces, one of the big pillars of my platform is education. And, and that has really been uh, a, a way to, I, I think education is the key to our de- democracy. And that if we can fix our education system and get it to a place where it's equitable and it's treating, it, it's teaching true American history and, and really what, what, what has happened in our past and it provides a platform and opportunity for where people can go, that that is going to be our, our key to moving forward as, as a country and as a civilization. Okay. Um, now you have the ending gun violence section here and this one, it's first the fact that it has the, the part about closing the DV loopholes and disarming domestic abusers. That's fantastic. Um, Cause it's something that's missing from a lot of, a lot of people who are supportive of gun control. This isn't on there. There's a section in here that, that cracked me up so that it's, it is ending gun violence. That's your, your, your main category here and demilitarize the police is in there. Yeah. Yep. I think it contributes. And, and if it, it, it seems so hypocritical to me that we, we point fingers at, at different neighborhoods and, and different people who are suspected of gang involvement. And, and then we militarize our, our police up to their necks and, and just accept that they kill civilians and so if we want to end gun violence, we have to address every every single area that it happens in our society, including police. That's what accountability looks like. So I, that is 
the very neglected piece of many, many politicians, many, many Democrats platform, but it, it needs to be part of it. Yeah. Um, and for those who are listening who aren't going to go look it up later, it does talk about the 1033 program and shutting that down. Um, this is in here. The overall platform for uh, ending gun violence is universal background check, safe gun storage, ghost guns, demilitarize the police and disarm domestic abusers. So that is that's kind of the, the overview of that. Um, so. Let me ask you this. Let's say you win. You're heading up to D.C., and then you're there with not just one machine, but but hundreds of them. And it doesn't sound like politics is something that you you sought to get into. It wasn't part of your life plan. Um, How do you think that adjustment is going to go? Because. (laughs) Oh, I, I don't, I don't foresee it being a very good time. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I do not have, uh, one of the things that my father said to me when I told him that I was going to run for office, he, he was like, he, he supports it, but he said, Alexander, you're just, you're not political. And, and I, I'm really not, I, I say exactly what's on my mind and I tell it how it is. And so I'm not going to be playing those games in D.C. And I don't think that the, the, the people who have been there for years are going to like that very much. But if I go if when when I make it to Washington and make it to Congress, I have a job to do. And that is to get the platform that I ran on passed because that's why people voted me in. And and then. We, we would have done our job. And that's what that's that's my agenda. It, I, it's it's not you know smooth talking and and uh, buttering up different representatives. It's it's just how are we going to get the job done? Power ma- power mapping Congress. Where do we need to put pressure here, there? Get this passed. Get out. You actually put way more thought into that than I expected to hear in that answer. So you do have a plan. You actually. Okay. Um, so let's see here. I'm sorry. I think I might've missed you. You already went to the education thing kind of threw me through a loop. No, <laughs> that's okay. Education's a, a big, um, I'm the daughter of two teachers. And as I said, I, I think education plays a bigger role than we really give attention or funding to. I think education or the divestment from education was the basis for our January 6th insurrection. So uh, we, we can talk for, about education for a while. I'm happy to. I would actually love to hear a correlation connection between the sixth and defunding schools. I, yeah, go off. I want to hear this. <laughs> have, have you heard it before? Uh, I haven't heard you say it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, J- January 6th was, uh, essentially, we saw the polarization that has happened and how the Republican Party has been fed this propaganda of of what they, I don't know if you watched, I mean, the, the media had people who were breaking into different chambers and, and whatnot in the Capitol building. But if you watch the people marching there, 
And the things that they were saying, they really thought that they were about to do something very heroic and they were defending our country. And that is because they had been fed these essentially lies about what what our country is, what our country has done and and where we came from. When I, as I said, my parents are both teachers and my father is my American history teacher and he provided a very well-rounded picture of American history that I didn't realize I should be grateful for until I ended up at school at University of Richmond, which is in Richmond, Virginia. And I heard people call it, referring to the Civil War as the War of Northern, Northern Aggression. And, <laughs> and so it, it, it's things like that that contributes to our polarization and the discrimination and bigotry that can lead up to something like the January 6th insurrection. Yeah, people can exploit the, the ignorance on different topics and push them different directions. Yeah. Um, so how are you going to fund this, this task of taking down the machine there? <laughs> For the campaign? Mm-hmm. Well, we are running a fully grassroots campaign, which makes it very, very hard. And... But the, the purpose of it is to demonstrate to voters, we cannot be bought. We will not sell out to, to corporate donors. We're not going to sell out to a corporation. And it's still very, very hard. You have to go person to person, dollar by dollar, and just raise as much money. And, and it, the, the money that comes earlier allows, allows you to kind of play out your, your field game. And uh, so it's hard. I, I can't express that enough. It is so hard to do to run a fully grassroots campaign, but the ethics and morality behind it is why is why I'm doing it. Right. I mean, it would definitely be easier to to stick your hand out to some corporate donors. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, politics is a dark place and anybody's they'll want something in return. Um, so out of your, your platform here, uh, there's one of the things I've noticed about most, most people who enter politics is that aside from their platform, they have something they're really passionate about. Maybe they've included it, but they didn't express it fully. What is it out of all of these topics? What are you most passionate about? What are you going to fight for? Oh, out of all, oh, I, I thought we were, we were saying something that's not on the platform that we are most passionate about okay what are we going to fight for uh ending ending mass incarceration and fighting for freedom in a, in a time of mass incarceration uh education and making sure it is opportunistic and equitable for all all people in the country uh we're going to fight for housing and universal health care um and we're going to fight for racial justice so now I want to hear what's not on the platform that you're really passionate about. Cause it looked like you had an answer for that. Soccer. soccer? Very, yeah. I thought we were going to talk about soccer for a second. I got excited. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, anyone who, who knows me and, and talks about running, running for office and just building building a grassroots movement i am constantly comparing things to the soccer field and and uh i i think that soccer could change the world 
or football. I know it's not very popular in America, but uh, it's been something that has connected me to an international group. And it's a big love of mine. All right. So is there anything you feel like we, we missed or anything you definitely want to cover? We'll def we'll have the links to your site so people can review the platform and uh, you know, I'm sure your donation links are on there too. Um, but is there anything that you specifically want to say to people who are watching, who are listening, who may live in your district? Um, I, I, when I, when I first launched this campaign, it was, it was small. A few people knew about it and, but I, we, we were determined to, to do it and to run as hard as we could. And a couple of people after we had launched approached me and, and said, you know, what, what is your big game plan? And really my, my big game plan was just to be, to have a, as much courage as I could and just be okay with being the only person in, in a room for a bit and see if, see if this vision clicked with people, this platform clicked with people and it's been clicking. And as, as we grow our, our movement and the, the volunteer support and the monetary support and just the, the general outpouring of, of support, it is so humbling. And, and I am so grateful for, for people like you who help us build our platform and, and just anyone who is contributing any way that they can, it, it's, it's really deeply appreciated. All right. Okay. So unless there's anything else, we're going to wrap it up. Um, and so this is Alexandra Hunt running for uh, PA3, right? Yep. PA3 <laughs> um, in 2022. Yeah. All right. So it's just a thought. Y'all, uh, y'all have a good day. Thank you.